Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. You got a copy of God's Word, you can begin to look for Romans 15. Romans 15, we're in this Advent season and I'm going to be preaching on the uh, Advent and as we think about the Advent season, uh, let me just, uh, one writer said this about Advent, he said, Advent is a season of hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival and the season is marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation and longing. Advent Advent is not just an extension of Christmas, but he goes on and says it's a season that links both the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of a Messiah, to the celebration of his birth, and to the alertness of his second coming. And that's so true. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ's coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. He wraps it up. He says, In a season often marked by frenzied busyness, Advent is an opportunity to set aside time for us to prepare our hearts and to help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own, the story of God's redeeming love for the world. And isn't that what it's all about? The season of celebrating Christmas, the Advent season, is all about the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing him glory, magnifying his name, lifting him up, not just because he's a baby born and placed in a cute manger, but no, because he is the king of the world. The king of the universe who enjoyed co-equalness with God but yet would lower himself to become a babe, to live among us, not to show us an example but to be the example, not to show us a sacrifice but be the sacrifice for your sin and my sin in order that we could be redeemed back to God. How awesome is that? Think about that. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And and as we think about Advent today, the Advent candle of hope was lit. We want to talk about hope this morning. You know, hope is a powerful emotion. Hope is a powerful tool in our hearts. I read one book one time that said that psychologists, what they will try to do in counseling, if they could get a couple who's having a a terrible marriage, if they get that couple to have 10% hope, they found that most of those couples will make it eventually because hope is powerful. Four things hope will do for us. I wrote these down. Listen to these, write them down. First of all, hope liberates. Hope can liberate you and release you from your past. Is there something in your past that you're dealing with? That you need to be free from this morning? Let me tell you what hope can do. Hope can release you from the past. What hope? Well, the hope of our redemption in Christ. What's in the past is under the blood. When we ask for forgiveness by faith and trust in Christ, we're cleansed. He can redeem our past. Amen? 
No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, do you believe that this morning? Not only can it liberate us, but hope motivates. Just telling you about couples that go into therapy and they get 10% hope and it gives them a bounce back. It helps them to, to recover. It helps them to have some hope in the midst of a broken marriage. But that's not just in marriages. That's you have a wayward child this morning. Do you have hope? Is there hope? Not only does hope liberate and motivate, but listen, hope is also an initiator. You ever think about dreams? You ever have dreams? You ever hope for a, a different outcome for the future? I like what Emma read. It's, it's a biblical hope is, is not just that we have a wish and a dream that something come true, but a biblical hope is the reality that it's going to be true, right? It's because we know who holds the future. We know that we're in his hands and that we are his children. And so hope can initiate in us not only a dream for ourselves, but listen, more importantly, a dream for what God wants for his church, a dream for what God wants through our lives that will magnify him and bring him glory. And then lastly, hope is one that can activate some things in our life. It is, it is sometimes the fuel that we need to move forward. Well, that's so true, isn't it? You ever find yourself there? You're just stuck and you need some hope. You need something to sort of put you in, in that forward motion to get you past a, a situation in your life that you're in. I've been there before. I've experienced times where I needed hope. <laughs> I needed something to get me past the circumstances that I was in. And God is always faithful to give us that hope, you know, and, and and I want to talk this morning, really, the, the crux of the, the message, the meat of the message is, it's not so much what hope can do, but it's where do we find hope? Because the reality is we can find hope in all kinds of different things. We can hope in, you know, we, you know when, I, when I got married, I don't know about you, but when I got married, I entered into marriage with just some, some naivete, naive, you know, naiveness in my, in my life. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, the marina's job when we got married was to make me happy. I thought my job was to make her happy. Do you know that there's times in a marriage where neither of you are happy? <laughs> Amen. And so we enter into marriage. Sometimes we have these hopes and these dreams and these visions. And then we start living life together and we realize reality is not a storybook. It's not a fantasy that we see played out in the movie screens or that we read in a novel, right? It's life. And what you got to understand is that, you know, you can go into life with all these hopes and these dreams and these visions, but the reality is if they're not based on Scripture, if they're not based on what God's reality is, then, then really you're going to be disappointed because your spouse, listen, your spouse's job is not to make you happy. Amen? You know, uh, I mean, I wish that was the reality, but that's not true. Now, there are many, many times in my life Marina has made me extremely happy. And I'm in a very extremely happy marriage. I love my wife. And I'm so thankful every day that God has given her to me. We've celebrated 32 years this year. It's been an amazing journey. And we're still on that journey. But my hope is not that Marina's going to wake up one day and make me happy. No, I got to find my hope. I got to find my joy, my peace, my patience in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we begin to think about hope, where do we find hope? Well, first of all, we find hope, write these down. We find hope in God's word. 
You know, God is a God of hope. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I want you to think about something for a minute. The Word of God, we take it for granted, don't we? We, we take our Bibles and, you know, you go to Walmart this afternoon. I challenge you to do it. Go to Walmart this afternoon. I hate going to that place. But anyway, go, go to Walmart this afternoon and just walk through the parking lot and find out how many people have probably been to church that day and they've taken their Bible and they've thrown it in the back window. And if you were to follow them around for a week, next week that Bible will still be in the back window. We take our Bibles for granted. See, we're looking for answers from God. We pray out to God. God, why me? God, have mercy. And we pray to God and we seek God. But God has already given us a lot of the answers right here. He's already given us a book that's God-breathed. It's God's word given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Given to godly men who are moved upon by the Holy Spirit. The, the little word is to be superintended upon. And so God gave them these words for us to read is his heart. It's his words back to us. And Paul would say to us that if we want hope, we find it in the word of God. Look over in Romans for a minute. Romans chapter 15. I told you to find it there. But Romans 15. Listen to what the apostle Paul tells us about the promises of God being found in the word of God in verse 4. He says, for whatever things were written before. Now, he's talking to us in the context of bearing with one another. That is, how is it that we as Christians in the church, how are we to get along? How is our fellowship to be? Well, he tells us in verse 1, he says that those of us, he says, who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. That is, that there is this weak brother and strong brother syndrome in the church. That is, that there are some who feel like they have to worship on particular days. They cannot eat meat or vice versa. And so he's saying that if you feel that you have this liberty in Christ to eat meat, or you have this liberty in Christ to worship on Sunday when everybody else has worship on Saturday, he says, let's not make that a issue of contention. But rather, let's bear with one another. Let's love one another. Let's encourage one another. And as he's writing in that context, he says to us in verse 2, that each of us then pleases his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So there's the, there's the key, edifying. For every, he said, for even Christ did not please himself as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now, notice how he applies Jesus in verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our instruction or learning. Now, what is he saying to us? He's saying that what he has just shared with us about how we treat one another has been written previously and has been written for a distinct purpose. What is that? To show us how we ought to model our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. I look at Jesus, I look at what's said about him, and that's my model. That's what I'm looking to. But I find that truth in the word of God. So what is the result of that though? Notice he says, not only am I learning, but that we through the patient and comfort of the scriptures. You need patience this morning? Do you find yourself on edge? Do you find yourself sometimes in the Christmas season a little jittery? Do you find that driving in this crazy, crazy town with people that don't know how to drive, drive you crazy? <laughs> does, the, does going to 
the, the shopping places filled with people? Does that sort of put you on edge? Well, I got an answer to those things. You can park the car and stay at home, amen? And save your money. But that's not what we do at Christmas season. But he says that what we do through the scriptures, we can learn to find patience. But not only that, we learn comfort. The scriptures actually literally, because they are alive and they are the words of God, they can bring comfort into our life. So are you needing comfort this morning? Have you lost a loved one this year? And it's a tough season we go into at Christmas and we need comfort. You know, are you, are you dealing with other issues in your life right now that have brought you down, brought you low? They're discouraging you. The scriptures bring us comfort. But notice lastly what he says, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, what do we do? We might have hope. Where do I find hope? In God's word. A book that we often put aside A book that we often will approach academically. We'll look at the Bible and we'll academically approach it. You know, we're trying to find out the meaning to things rather than really trying to find out God's meaning and purpose for our lives through the scriptures. You know, we we sometimes want to use it for trivia. You know, we want to say who knows what, who knows more in the Bible. Sometimes we approach the scriptures with just a hurriedness, right? I got to get my devotion, got to get it done, got to get it done, got to read it, got to get it done. I got to go to work. I got other things to do. And so we rush through it. Rather, what we ought to be doing, rather what we ought to be doing is saying, God, speak. It's your word. And if I really believe that this Bible that I hold, that I preach out of every week is God's word, then I believe what it just said about itself, that through it, I can learn to be patient and I can find comfort. But more importantly, listen, I have hope. If you're here this morning and you don't have hope, turn to the word, turn to the Bible. You say, oh, but preacher, where, where do I go? Open it up and just read. Don't make it complicated. Don't make it difficult. Just open the word and start reading. You know, the Psalms are, always comforting. I find in the Psalms so much written to help us to be at peace, to find joy and to find hope in the word of God. Turn to God's word. That's where you find hope. But you also find hope not only in God's word, but listen, you find hope by resting in God's character. Do you know I said God is a God of hope, right? Do you believe that this morning? That God is a God of hope? In Paul's beautiful benediction in chapter 15, same chapter of Romans, same chapter in verse, slip down in your Bible to verse 13 as he's closing off this paragraph. Paul gives a wonderful benediction. Here it is. You ready for it? He says, now may the God of hope. God is a God of hope. That's why the Bible's full of hope, amen? That's why we have the Bible written to us in order that we can read it and discover the hope that God has for us in the promises that God has made to us. Because God is a God of hope. Wouldn't it just make sense that if that's his character, and by the way, you cannot separate God from his character, you cannot change his character, and God certainly will never change himself. 
God is the same always. The same God that walked with Moses is the same God that walks with us. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad that the same God that was behind the power of Elijah is the same God that's in the power of my life. I'm glad there's no distinction. There's no different God. He is God. And the Bible tells me here in verse 13 that, that, I, that I have a God, listen, of hope. And what is he going to do with that hope? Notice what he says. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. So how is this joy and this hope and this peace? How does it come about in my life? By faith. See, the problem, Christian, is this. We say it's by faith we're saved, right? By faith through grace, not of works. Praise God. But then somehow on this journey, we get crisscrossed. And we forget that even living is by faith. Even living is by trusting. Even in our living, it's not in our power and our strength and our ability. But it is by his. He who saved me is he who keeps me. He who saved me, the Bible says, will take me on to perfection. One day, he's going to call me home. One day I'm going to be glorified. One day I'll be everything that Christ wants me to be. Amen? Completely in heaven forevermore. And I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to that day. I get tired of myself sometimes. You ever do that? You ever get tired of yourselves? I get tired of myself sometimes. Sometimes I look in the mirror and go, you know, you're just one ornery dude. You know? You're one ornery dude. And so he says in the text that, that God, this God of hope, Listen, when we put our faith and our trust in the fact that, in the reality that he is this God of hope, then I experience joy in the midst of pain. Then I experience peace in the midst of the chaos. But I won't have any of that, listen, if I don't have the word. Because I need the word of God, amen? It's by the word that I learn more about this God who loves me so. It's where I learn more about this God who is a God of hope. That's his character. That's who he is. And he cannot be separated from that. And he says to us in the text, the latter part of verse 13, notice what he says, that the, that you may abound. Notice this. So listen to what he says. The God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing through faith. What? That you may abound in hope. Do you need a super abounding hope? Do you need a hope that's beyond circumstances? Then it, then it will come from where? The power of the Holy Spirit. I don't generate within myself hope. Because you know what a tendency of a human being is, right? You know what our tendency is? Our tendency is to look at our circumstances. Our tendency is to evaluate where we're at in life. And based on that, our evaluation and our idea of how we look at things is how we feel. Isn't that so true? It's so true. When we look at certain things, we go, wow, I'm in a tight I'm in a fix. And sometimes it's, we lose hope. Sometimes when we look at people, we lose hope. Well, there's no hope for that person. A guy by the name of Charles Allen, he said this. He says, when, when you say that a situation or a person is helpless, he says, you slam the door in the face of God. Boy, that's powerful. I wonder how many times you've slammed the door in the face of God. Saying, oh, that's just a hopeless situation. That's, that's a, that, that situation will never change. Or that person will never change. Listen, God is powerful to change anybody. 
Amen. He can call anybody to repentance. God can change anybody's life. Remember I preached a sermon series a few years ago. And we talked, one of the sermon series was when God interrupts your life. Sometimes God will interrupt your life. (laughs) My plan wasn't to be a preacher. I enjoyed being in the Air Force. I loved doing what I was doing. My plan was to stay there 30 years, be a chief master sergeant. That was my plan for my life. When I married Marina, that was my plan for my life. She never thought she'd be married to a preacher. She said, if I die, she won't marry another one. Amen. <laughs> but, <laughs> I just thought about how that really means. I'm that bad, I guess. I guess I'm that bad. But anyway, uh, I lost my train of thought. You know, bam, there it is. So, so hope, you know, hope comes when you and I realize that the word of God is living and it's breathing and it brings hope because it's filled with the promises of number two, the God of hope whose character will not bend or change and he will always be the same. And we can find in him that no matter how hopeless the situation may be, that he can change it. No matter how far a person may run, God can still intervene. And if we ever give up that hope that he's a God who's powerful, then we've lost all things. And listen, the reality of it is, according to what Paul said here in this verse, verse 13, it's only going to come by the power of the Spirit in your life anyway. So you know what that means, Christian? Be in the Word. Be trusting in the character of God. But listen, you have to be yielded. Amen? You can't be running around in a bunch of sin and expect God to be bringing hope in your life. You have to be yielded so the Spirit of God can work in you. Amen. So the Holy Spirit of God can, can reveal to you and show you as you're reading the word, he can point out those promises and say, see, this is for you, child. This is, this is, a God, this is God speaking to you. That's the only way that we can do that. The third thing that brings us hope this morning, and I'll be done, is this. We find hope in God's faithfulness. So not only in God's character, but is God faithful? I want you to think in your mind for a moment. If you have to close your eyes, I want you to think of something for a moment. How has God worked in your life? I don't know about your life, but how has God worked in your life? Can I just be transparent this morning with you? You know, I told you, I, I make fun of myself a lot, and it's, it's okay. I, I, I can live with myself doing that. But, you know, Marie and I just try to be transparent people. We don't try to pretend to be anything that we're not. And, you know, when we got married, our first year of marriage, uh, we learned a lot about each other. But, you know, about halfway through that first year of our marriage, my mom died, and and I was a mama's boy, and it really caused a lot of conflict in our marriage. And for the next year and a half, our marriage rocked. I mean, I'm talking about it rocked. I, I didn't think, Tim, that we were going to make it. I, I can remember the day that it was so bad that I drove to Marina's mom's house in New Jersey, and I let her out of the car thinking this is going to be the last day that I'm going to see her as my wife. We we're going to be in divorce court. I really thought that's where we were heading. And I got to thinking, you know, that's not God's plan. I didn't get married to her, make a covenant with her to do that. No matter how bad it is, we sought God and we began to pray, didn't we, honey? We began to pray and we began to seek God and we got some godly counsel. And we came over, we hurtled over some extremely difficult circumstances that most marriages would never make. And we were able to do that. And now we've been married 32 years, raised six kids, raising grandkids, and God has been so good to us. 
And many of y'all would never know the situation or the problems in our life that happened many, many years ago. But I'm here to tell you, I'm a testament. Marina is a testament. Our marriage is a testament to the faithfulness of God. What is that in your life? For us, we can look back all those years ago and we can see the faithfulness of God. But I'm going to tell you something. We can look back in the last week and see some faithfulness of God's hand in our life. I wonder, what is it in your life? What could you say? You know, Lord, you were so faithful here. Well, can I ask you this question? If God was faithful yesterday, is he not going to be faithful today? He is. And and Paul writes to Timothy and says, even if you and I are faithless, he's faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. Write this verse down, Lamentations 3. Old Jeremiah, you know, all Jeremiah had was himself and a word from God. Jeremiah preached probably to the hardest people to ever preach to, a bunch of religious fanatics. He preached to the, the, the Jerusalem people, or excuse me, preached to Judah, and, and he was that prophet to the southern kingdom, and, and he preached a message, and his message was denied over and over again. He was mistreated, he was abused, and you would think a man like that would say, you know, I'm just done. I'm not gonna preach anymore. I'm not going to do that. But then in Lamentations 3, 22, 24, it's often read as a beautiful benediction. But listen to what he says. He says, through the Lord's mercies, or yeah, through the Lord's mercies, he says, we are not consumed. I'm talking about God's mercy not to destroy us. God's mercy not to descend us to the pit of hell where we deserve to go. He said, but because of God's mercies, we are not consumed. Because of his compassions, they fail not. Verse 23 He says, they are new every morning for what? Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful time and time again. When I think I'm in a circumstance that I can't get out of, when I'm in a hopeless position, God has always been faithful to show up. Why? Because he is a God who is full of compassion who is full of mercy. And therefore he says to us, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, here it is a declaration. Therefore I hope in him. Let me tell you something this morning. If you need hope, crack open the Bible. Begin to read the promises of God. Do you need hope this morning? Turn to the Father. Turn to the Father before his character Who he is, is a God of hope. But if that doesn't get you, examine your life. Look at the faithfulness of God. And don't tell me God's not been faithful in your life, because he has. The problem is that we don't look. We don't count the cost. We don't measure where we've been. We forget the struggles, because they're behind us. And all we can think about is what's in the, right in front of us or what we're going through in the moment. But I'm here to tell you, our God is faithful. Amen. And if you need hope this Advent season, where we find it is God with us brings hope. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.